gotta tell somebody. This is the best thing I've ever seen. That. Let's talk about that. Let's you talk need about this. That. Listen to this. Memorable and exciting. Well, then be less boring. I'm gonna tell everyone. Wait here. Quite a remarkable big daddy. Remarkable. Welcome to Remarkable, a podcast for B2B marketers that deconstructs the most iconic moments in film, television, pop culture, and advertising for a single purpose, to give you, the B2B marketer, the same storytelling techniques that the pros use. In each episode, you will learn techniques from Hollywood, Pixar, Marvel, and beyond, from Spielberg's hands to yours, bringing remarkable content ideas to you every single week. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. This is Remarkable. And this week, talking about B2B marketing lessons from the Scuffed Podcast and how to build a community. So every single CMO I know is trying to figure out how to build a community or make their community better. And most of the time as marketers, we're pretty bad at this or we have no idea where to start. And so lots of times this falls on the content marketer. Sometimes that person is even titled like the head of content and community or something like that. And so... What we wanted to do for this episode is look outside the B2B world, of course, and look at a shining example from there. Now, obviously, there's tons of examples of great communities, and since the World Cup is just around the corner, we wanted to bring you a young, thriving, and dedicated community of United States soccer fans. We're getting pretty good at, when when we have a listener, making them so loyal, we tend to like inspire some loyalty in the listener that they are willing to pay us money every month. So I think we're, our percentage of like listener to patron is, is really good. So in today's episode, we're gonna chat with Adam Bells, the founder of Scuffed. And this is a special episode of Remarkable because we're gonna be publishing the interview in full. You might not know of Scuffed. In fact, you might not be a soccer fan at all, but I think that this is a great example for B2B marketers. Scuffed is a fan-created niche community of the US men's national soccer team. It started with Adam Bells posting videos on the internet, then a podcast, then a newsletter, a Discord, Patreon, there's event meetups, and there's loads and loads of user-generated content shared both externally on places like Twitter and otherwise, and on social media, and then also internally on the channel. Now, I'm biased because I'm a patron, and a member of the community, but anytime you can find a place where people actually pay to be part of your community, I think that it is a Uh, a perfect way to try to replicate some of the lessons that they have made and the mistakes that they've made and all that sort of stuff that we can engage with. I think foundationally, it has very good structure for a community with multiple entry points. Members can opt into the engagement however they wish. And I want to be clear that content does not equal community. So content, I think, is a push motion, a one-to-many motion, whereas community is many-to-many. So content is critical to building a community to spread ideas, to foster conversations. But if you're just pushing content and that's it, that's not really a community. And I think a lot of B2B organizations get that wrong. They say, well, we have a podcast or we have video series or we have an event series. And like, that's our community. Well, that's that's not really the case. And before we get into our interview, we want to give you some of the takeaways ahead of time so you can sort of listen uh, to the conversation with knowing that there's some lessons in here ahead. So here's our B2B lessons from the Scuff community. Number one is be genuine. So it's not exactly a stated goal of the podcast, but when they started, the U.S. men's national team did not make the World Cup in 2018. And 
I would say one of the unofficial goals of the organization was to make the World Cup in 2022 and whatever way that that community can be part of that. And we get into that in the episode. Number two is to be consistent. When you publish content, you want to do it at a regular cadence with similar formats, and then you can add in new formats and be very purposeful about how you do that. So if you listen to Bells, he talks about how they have a Monday review episode, how they have episode recaps, they have historic game recaps, they have more tactical breakdowns, and each of those types of content serve a very different purpose. Number three is be edutaining. Uh, so this is the classic keep them laughing, keep them learning. You should have a mix of timely reactionary content. And so they do this really well on the Discord when there's a, a soccer game that is playing that everyone will pile into like one channel and be commenting about that particular match. And then they also do this with things like when the roster drops, then they're going to have either a live episode or something where people can call in and communicate that way, similar to the way that you know radio has done that for a long time. And then also the on-demand evergreen content. They do Monday reviews, which are really interesting, like in that moment in time on a Monday, hey, how did the entire U.S. men's national team pool do in their games in Europe and, and America and other places? And then um, these historic game recaps to look back at past teams, and maybe we can sort of live in this nostalgia a little bit there too. Number four, be responsive. So you need moderators and you need senior leaders in your organization to be engaged with the community. You can't just hope that people are going to be engaged. They're going to take cues from the leaders. If they're not engaged, then why should they be there? And also you get a little bit of like when there's the loudest voice in the room or the person who publishes the most, that kind of ends up making the community. So if that's not being moderated in some way, it's going to be really, really challenging. And Scuffed has, I think, done this really well, and they constantly try to do a better job at this. And number five that you have to layer the engagement. And really what layering the engagement means is you have to be okay with people opting into however they want to engage. And I think that a key part of this is you got to embrace the lurkers. Like in marketing, we hate lurkers. We hate people who are not quote unquote engaging. People who like just listen and don't comment or don't click around on stuff or whatever it is. In a community, that's totally fine. If all the people do is read your newsletter and they don't listen to your show, that's fine. If all they do is comment and post in the Discord and they don't listen to the podcast, that's fine. If all they do is go into in-person events, that's the only way that they engage, that's fine. People are going to opt into however they want to, and that's a good thing. And that's something that I think we try to shepherd people in one way or another, oftentimes in, in B2B marketing, rather than just like creating uh, the places where those people want to do their own thing. And people are going to do their own thing. And some people like short videos, some people like long podcast episodes, some people like to be in chat rooms, but ultimately you have to layer those engagements and create multiple places where they can do that. And I think a lot of people get that wrong. So anyways, that's it. Enough of me talking. Let's get to Adam Bells and the Scuffed community. Today, I'm joined by a special guest. Adam, how are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for joining the show. Uh, as I was telling you off air, I'm a huge fan of Scuffed, huge fan of the men's national team uh, in soccer and the women's team for soccer. And I've been a patron for a while. And I wanted to chat with you about building a community because I think what you have done with Scuffed, with both the podcast, the patron-only podcast, your Patreon, your Discord, all that stuff has been just such a clinic. You're very clinical in the way that, that you build a community. So I want to talk to you about that, but I'm curious 
How'd you get started? Why'd you start this thing in the first place? Started getting obsessed with the future of the men's national team right before we didn't qualify for the World Cup and was watching a lot of soccer and spending a lot of time on Reddit, actually, talking about it with people on Reddit. I was spending enough time that I felt like I had to have some output from it. So I started a newsletter, wrote a newsletter about the national team and players who could play for it someday, and got on Twitter and started listening to more podcasts and thought, I, we could do this, or I could do this. I bet Greg could do this. A lot of people who are fans of the national team, they have like one or two friends that they text with about it, or you know, maybe one person in real life that they see that they can talk about it with. That was Greg for me. Greg Velasquez, my co-founder. And I was like, Greg, do you want to try to make a podcast? And he said, he was very reluctant. And I said, let me test it out with some other people. So I tried it a couple like pilot episodes with a guy I met on Twitter. They went fine. I think Greg saw that it wasn't going to be that hard. And we started, that was in 2018. We started recording episodes pretty much once a week and have been doing that ever since with an increasing output over time. And so what was your background? How did you think you were capable enough to write a blog and to do all that stuff? Well, I was a newspaper reporter for 14 years and was through the first, you know, two and a half years of the podcast too. I worked for the Cedar Rapids Gazette, Des Moines Register, and then the Minneapolis Star Tribune, just as like a regular, you know, cops, reporter, local government, local business, did all that kind of stuff for 14 years. So I knew I could write. And the podcast is pretty reliant. I'm, my output in the podcast is pretty reliant on my writing too. And so when you were kind of starting this as sort of the uh, the passion project and kind of wanting to make this, you, you kind of mentioned that there was no one really doing this and you you kind of wanted to plant your flag a little bit, but like what was the short-term, medium-term, long-term goals? Man, I don't know that it was all that ambitious. You know, I wanted to make the podcast. I wanted to build the audience, but I didn't have... You know, most of the time I didn't think it was going to be a full-time job ever. And that only started to become even possible in my mind, you know, maybe a year and a half ago, something like that. So I don't know. I, I don't have a great answer. I don't know what the, I don't know that I had an end goal, really. And in those like early years, as you, <laughs> years, I mean, it's not been 20, but uh, in the like the early time when you started, you know, maybe after the first whatever, 50 episodes or so, probably feel like you're getting your footing a little bit, kind of know that stuff, building a little bit of an audience. When did you sort of start looking at this and say like, there's a real audience here and an appetite for this stuff? And obviously we had something pretty uh, catastrophic happen in 2019. So uh, I'd imagine that that was probably a bit of a crucible moment as well. Yeah, it's interesting that, you know, we started when the men's national team was at its absolute nadir and it was very low at the time. And so the people who were interested in our podcast early on are the real like sickos, you know, like the core of the fan base would be the people who would start listening to a podcast about a national team that had just failed to qualify for the World Cup, which was still coming up when we started recording. You know, that 2018 World Cup was still a few months away. So that's, I don't, that's, I don't know what that means for us as a podcast necessarily, but that was, those were people who, you know, that's the intense core of the fan base. You could make an argument that you maybe started at the bottom of the parabola, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. What do you think makes a good community? I think uh, tone, the tone of the community is probably at least an online community like we have. 
is pretty important. Focus, some kind of focus. I mean, you're not going to have a community unless you have some kind of focus. So maybe that's redundant. I don't know. What do you think makes a good community? I think there has to be something very unique, like a, a common interest and then a common willingness to have sort of a depth in addition to like uh, both a horizontal and a and a vertical sort of like depth to it where you can go super far in or you can stay at surface level, but there's sort of like layers to the, to the engagement. Have you ever read the book Starfish and the Spider by chance? The thesis of this book is basically that there's two types of organizations. There's centralized and decentralized. And so centralized organizations are like managed top down. So, you know, the United States or, or whatever, men's national team. Uh, decentralized are like things like um, Alcoholics Anonymous or like uh, they use Al-Qaeda as an example or things like that where you have like there's no central leader so you can't kind of like cut the head off that it's like when you attack a decentralized organization like it spreads like you know people go into wherever they're going and then a centralized organization is like very top-down sort of approach and so I think that like a good community is kind of has a good blend of like centralized and decentralized where it's like you have this sort of like founding team or leading members or people that are going to like set the agenda for everyone and set the tone and set the rules and all of that sort of stuff. And then they can either continue to participate or they can back away. And then sort of the community sort of, again, like finds its different sort of pieces there. So anyways, that's what I would say. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think that when I think of community, like outside of the context of, you know, making a podcast, I think of old, old kinds of communities, you know, like, like rural farming communities or, you know, like urban communities where people are like living together and suffering together and, you know, sacrificing for each other in certain ways or like faith communities, stuff like that. And so it's like, I don't know how to relate that to like a discord server, you know, like, I don't know, I don't know what the connection is between those two things because they're both technically a community, but I, I don't know how you when you're living online with people, how do you how do you suffer with them or sacrifice for them? Do we even know how to do that yet as humans? Yeah, it's it's a great question, and I think that um, you know I feel like we've suffered together on the Discord. Like when Gio Reyna goes down, that second hamstring. Like, I mean, listening to the podcast that morning is brutal, right? It's like. You know, or or you talked about, you know, the lowest point of like not qualifying for World Cup and starting out in this moment. And perhaps like that is maybe a you know a key element if you were to look back at this that like starting off at that lowest moment and then just building momentum from now till you know, from then till now, that it's like kind of the the community feels the sense of purpose that it's like our job in part is to get this United States national team to the world cup and we did that. And then the next step is like, okay, we need to, you know, get out of the group. And then the next step is we need to win the world cup. So I don't know if there's a shared purpose there, but like, I would say that, don't you think that the people in the scuff, you know, discord and, and the broader community kind of feel a little bit responsible for some of the success? Well, we definitely feel like it's our, you know, it's our success. We've been rooting so hard for it that it is, it feels like ours as well. Yeah. And it's, I think we did, you're right. We, we have suffered together and probably will suffer together more over the years. But I guess the other part is that the, the sacrificing for each other, you know, the caring for each other, 
is like, I'm, I'm not sure how to do that exactly in a community. And I'm not sure, I think we're all kind of trying to, you know, in different ways, feel our way towards, towards that because the discord, as you, as you probably know, has, you know, it has like a life of its own. It's, it's the decentralized part of the, you know, there is, I mean, I, I think everybody agrees that Greg and Jordan and I are in charge, but we're not really that interested in being in charge. You know, we don't want to, we don't want to be telling people what to do all the time. So things just kind of take on a life of their own. And yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating thing, you know, that all these people from all over the country who don't know each other spend so much time together, you know? So let's, let's run down, like, what are the scuffed, like, I, I don't want to call them assets because that's feels a bit strange, but like, what do you have that is at your sort of disposal right now? I mean, the assets are all human, really. I mean, I do, I do a lot of the hustle and a lot of the dirty work, but like, I think Greg is probably the best, like pure analyst of the men's, of men's national team soccer that, I mean, he's up there. He's right up there. He's probably, to me, he's probably the best. I'm biased, of course, but I think the quality of his and precision of how he talks about soccer is really unique and kind of the core, the core of scuffed. We have, like you said earlier, Waki, I think off air, Waki and Vince are, um, I think also really sort of singular people. And there aren't a lot, there aren't a lot like that out there and, and incredibly entertaining to me at least. So th th those are the big assets. We talk about like in our shows about, you know, you have to have someone who's like either playing at the 401 level constantly and then, or you have someone who's playing at the 101 level that's like the audience's avatar for like, I don't know, you know, what's going on. I think you all clearly have sort of the, you're sort of, I mean, you're not a 101 person, but like you make it for, so that, people understand that stuff. And I, obviously many of those questions you have yourself, Greg is 401. And then, you know, Vince and Waki are, are, uh, are almost sort of like beat writers in their own way of, of, of the, you know, Waki's beat is the, the esoteric and, and, uh, Vince's beat is the. He's got a little bit of the everyman too. Cause he's like, a you know, he's grew up in American sports mostly. And, um, is, came to soccer later in his life, but he understands sports. He understands athletes. And um, I think he's also quite funny too. Uh, they're both absolutely hilarious. The three of you are hilarious. And and then Greg, it's like Uncle Greg comes on and then it's like, you know, talks to everyone. Yeah. So what I kind of wanted to run down. So you have the website, you have the podcast feed, the like RSS feed for your primary podcast. That's right. Yeah. You have the patron-only RSS feed, you have your Patreon, which you can basically communicate with your folks, uh, with your patrons. And then you have a, a newsletter, like it, an email newsletter. It, which is now defunct. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. We, we, yeah, we, I mean, we said we were going to shelve it. We shelved it probably permanently, but maybe we'll bring it back. I don't know. Back in February, something like that. Maybe yeah. April. And then obviously the Discord channel. And then all of you have Twitter feeds, uh, you know. So I'm curious, like, when you started building the community, I mean, we don't need to, like, get into, like, follower counts back then, but, like, how known were you and Greg to the world of, of like, the broader soccer community? Not very. I mean, I started the Twitter account in 
at the end of 2017, the scuffed one. And, you know, I have like a, I have an Adam Bell's Twitter account that I used for like my newspaper work that's out there too, but it's totally, I've kept them pretty totally separate. And, you know, we had probably a hundred followers in October, 2017 on the, on the scuffed Twitter account. And that was the main avenue of growth. I think for like getting our name out there was the Twitter account early. And I have to say Daryl Grove, the, the former, the late former host of Total Soccer Show, he was an early sort of fan, not fans, not the right word, but early appreciator of what we were doing. And he encouraged us and helped us. He had me on the TSS a couple of times and, um, that was a big, big bounce for us, you know, when Daryl or when Daryl would like retweet a video that I made, uh, I used to make, I used to make all touches videos. I don't know if you remember those, but I mean, I was, I was, I preceded Sanjeev, you know, the USMNT videos. And, um, I was making like all touch videos of Jonathan Gonzalez at, at Monterrey and, uh, those would get retweeted by Daryl. That was a big part of growing the audience actually was the, was that sort of legally dubious uh, in terms of copyright law use of soccer video to sort of promote the brand. But I, I was, that, I enjoyed doing that stuff. And I think the people who do it now, nowadays and put those videos on Twitter, they enjoy it too, but it does help you grow your audience pretty fast. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that like, you know, you'd say that this is like, quote unquote, like organic marketing that sort of got you, got you there. But again, that's still stuff in content. You're basically like saying, Hey, nobody is making, you know, whatever these type of videos anywhere on the internet, or if they are, they're not publicly, you know, available. We're going to make these. And when they get shared and shared and shared and shared that when they point back to something, Hey, you can listen to our podcast. I mean, there's no two ways about it. That was a big part of the early growth of the numbers. Uh, certainly it grew, it grew the Twitter account, follower account, and, um, and that, that helped the podcast reach a broader audience. And for a while, I didn't focus. Do, do, should, I, should we answer the question about um, assets? I think, we, I think you got them all. Like the, the Patreon... I don't know what your experience with it is, but um, to me, it's not the best way to communicate with the audience or with the with the community. That's why Discord is so nice because it is pretty slick for that. The issue is not everybody on Patreon uses the Discord. Actually, a lot of people don't. You know, it's a, it's a robust community, but it's not it's not even not even twenty five percent use it in a typical week. You know what I mean? And this is, yeah, we can kind of get into like levels and stuff like that. But I talk the way that I think about content and community, how they, how they pair is like content is all push. It's a push activity. The other side of community is, is about engagement. So it's like, how are you responding to people? How are you like, you know, if you want to build a Twitter page, like I'm sure that you were liking and commenting and all that stuff a ton, not just posting. And that's like people. Yeah. I responded to everybody in the early days. It was fun, you know? Not anymore. That's awesome. On Twitter, on Twitter, on Twitter. I, I respond to everybody. I'll, any, like I try to respond every time a patron has a question. I think I do respond every time. Yeah, you're super, super responsive. So when did you start like building out a newsletter? Did that matter to you? Was that a priority? Were you using like some marketing technology? Like what, how'd that go? I had some help from a couple of people in the Discord. Shout out uh, Coach Beard and MJM Matt. Uh, and then Waki was helping me with it for a while. 
uh, he he would write a section of it. I, what was the idea behind it? I think it was to sort of leverage the discord and some of the funny stuff that people were saying in there. So that was a section of the newsletter we, we created. Were you sending that through Patreon or did you have a separate email provider? I was actually using Substack. Substack. That's yeah. right. Substack. Yeah. yeah. Got it. But it was just a free Substack. Yeah. There was no, mm-hmm. no subscription. I don't know. It just seemed like after a while, it just seemed like we were putting, you know, I was putting like half a day's work into a week into it. I didn't think it was that great. But it's interesting that you said that like, you know, you you generally you're only communicating with probably 25% of your people on the Discord. I wonder what percentage you're communicating via the podcast. Like how many of of your community, you know, if your community is a 100%, how many listen to the show versus you know, coming on Discord versus we're opening emails or, or Patreon emails? Boy, um, I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, certainly the episodes in the public feed are reaching a much larger audience than the, than the, the even the, even the patron only episodes. But, um, I think probably for the patron only episodes that the podcast itself may be the best way to reach people because they, my sense of it now is, and this isn't science, this is just kind of me watching the emails come in when people sign up, is that the Monday review is the primary driver of subscriptions on Patreon. Like, without a doubt, it is the primary driver. So I think I think the people sign up for those Monday reviews. If I, if I say something in the Monday review, they're probably going to hear it. Yeah, I mean, I'd say it's probably your flagship asset. How did you decide to gate that? And I know that this is just like a moment in time, but... But yeah, yeah. Well, it was it was a uh, um, it was suggested to me by a patron named Jonathan Sanders, who just has like some. He's a smart guy who has some sense of how other podcasts operate and of like online marketing. And I, you know, he had given me some good advice about some other stuff. And he said, he said, you gotta you gotta do this. This is a West Ham podcast I listen to does this, and uh, I'm like more than happy to pay for it and. Uh, I was like, okay, we tried it and immediately subscription shot up. Like it was just an easy, excellent idea from Jonathan. Thank you, Jonathan. And so, so take me back like right before that moment in time where you had this community, you had the discord, were you thinking about going ad supported? Were you thinking about going like, you know, just like, Hey, we're just going to keep serving this community and do this Patreon thing. And then just try to figure out how to make this thing a real, a real, real live thing. The few experiences I, I have had, you know, booking ads and then reading them on the podcast were just, it just seemed like way more trouble than they were worth. And, and, you know, so I, so, so because of laziness, I wanted to, I prefer the the patron method, but you know, it's not just like small time creators like us who are following that model. It's like the New York times basically is moving to the subscription model. It's a, I think it's a really good way to, to do it. And um, so I never really, as not before the money review, certainly by the time we were doing the money review, I was, there was no, I had no interest in doing ads and it's just it's kind of a weird little thing we can brag about. We're an ad free podcast, you know? Yeah, I just like the I like the I like the simplicity of the patron the patron model. It's certainly like at the size of our podcast, it's very manageable. You know, we have like we have something over, just over fifteen hundred patrons right now. That's a 
that's not like, you know, I'm one guy and there are like three other guys, five, if you count Jordan, the discord moderator, we can handle a 1500 person community, you know, I think. So it's, it's, I, I like, I just love the, I love the model. You mentioned sort of, you have, you know, people that are content, your team that creates, uh, you know, uh, you, Greg, Vince and Waki, you have Jordan who moderates the, the community. Do you ever sort of like, I, I don't know how professional you get with this stuff, but you, do you ever kind of say like, Hey, these are our sort of roles and responsibilities. You know, you're, su- you're supposed to comment this much in the discord. It seems like, mm-hmm. it seems like everybody just kind of fits, gets in where they fit in, but, but there's a lot of posting from sort of the, the core team. Yeah. Vince is in there all the time. Um, Greg's in there a lot. I'm in there pretty regularly. Waki's not usually in there, but that's, that's fine. There's no, there's no um, requirements and he is in there sometimes. So, yeah, I mean, we're pretty, we're pretty fly by night operation when it comes to like roles and responsibilities. It's all just sort of un- understood. And I would say the Monday review, the Monday review has required m- much more like planning and that there's more thought that goes into that, I think, than Adds to the mystique. on a consistent basis than any of the other episodes. Um, uh, and we, you know, we have to work out what time we're going to record and stuff, but not, not too formal. I would say that you have, I mean, if you look at like, I think, by the way, I, now that I think about, I think I found out about you from TSS. I think it was the scuff TSS crossover. Mm. That's how I think I found, I found scuff. Is that right? But, yeah, I think so. But I also might've seen you on Twitter though, as well. But I think that that's how I saw it. And I was like, oh shit, this is awesome. A lot um, of people, a lot of people found us because of TSS for sure. I, I say Daryl Grove is the godfather of the scuff podcast and it's true. Which is an interesting kind of note in terms of marketing. Podcasts are always a great place to to find more podcast content. That's interesting that you'd see a pop from stuff like that, and then now you see a pop in patrons from you know, the ungated Monday review episodes. Really speaks to like this community is much much bigger, and people are looking for this one thing. How do you differentiate? I don't know. I feel like our approach and our personalities are just kind of what they are and it's going to be different than most of what's out there. I think a lot of like the original, a lot of the original ideas, a lot of like the great turns of phrase that we have used over the years do come from Greg, you know, like the, the striker hat or, uh, you know, I can't think of anything else off the top of my head, but there's, there's, there's been a lot of stuff. And I think, Greg makes it unique just automatically by speaking on the podcast. And um, I don't know, but if you, if you, if you go around and listen to a lot of the other stuff, a lot of us are saying the same thing, saying the same things, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's not that there's no, I mean, everybody's, everybody's starting 11 is roughly the same. And uh, I don't know. What is now? Yeah. I mean, I think that if you were to go back a year ago, though, like it was totally different. I think if we're looking at like the men's team right this second, like we've just had a very, you know, whatever. But like when we were down, what is it? Was it down 1-0 to Honduras? I remember I was sitting watching my friend. I was like, like, this is over. Like the team is over. Like everything is going to yeah. regress back. So I think that there were moments in time where, that's true. you know, 
it's the peacetime peacetime president versus the wartime president, right? Yeah. Everybody's, it's easy to be the peacetime president. It's like, hey, we have all these young players and everyone's abroad. It's easy to do a Yanks abroad when there's a bunch of Yanks abroad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's another thing. That's one of the basic things that makes the Monday Review successful is there is so much to talk about each weekend. It's hard to keep track of it all. It is nice to get it all in one place. So that's like a, it's funny and everything, but it's also like, I hopefully for people who want to know how our player pool did over the weekend, it's a good place to go and get updated, you know? How do you like mediate interactions among, among members? Um, like how do you mediate negative behavior? How do you incentivize positive behavior? Does that stuff sort itself out? I mean, there's a lot of, lot of conversations going at any given time. Yeah, that's been, um, we have not figured out how to do that. We've had some, we have had some, some problems and, uh, we have, we're figuring out how to do a better job of handling them. It's, it's very, it's very sensitive stuff, you know, it's like, and it's very subtle, but I think generally, you know, if someone's obviously being a jerk, uh, then, you know, it's pretty easy for Jordan to warn them and and, then, that usually solves it. It's the more subtle, it's like the subtler stuff that happens over a long period of time that is harder to mediate and we haven't quite figured it out. Yeah, I mean, there's no silver bullet. I think that you you kind of have done a great job of just vibes check, you know, of just like, hey, are you, are you being a bummer right now or not? Um, and I think that that keeps it light and, 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 and fun when people are kind of getting, getting negative, uh, and people are super passionate. Like that's, it's a feature, not a bug, right? If it was a super boring channel where nobody ever had any opinions, like nobody would be there. Yeah. We have a, we have a thread off a channel called, um, bad vibes only. So if somebody say, so if somebody's saying something that doesn't, you know, doesn't feel right in the moment, you can just respond with hashtag bad vibes only take it to bad vibes only buddy. You know, that was me at, at halftime at, or I think it's Honduras. <laughs> Everybody was bad vibes only at halftime at Honduras. That was, that was the worst. So we'd missed an asset and I'm, this is, I'm remiss. So in-person events. Oh yeah. You've done in-person events. Tell me about that. Yeah. Those have been, those were really wonderful because it's still, you know, even though you're enjoying typing on a computer with somebody or, or tapping on your phone with somebody, it's totally different to be there with someone in the flesh, watch the U.S. win. So I would say the most, so we did events in uh, Columbus. No, well, we tried Columbus. It didn't really work. But we did a big tailgate in Nashville when we played Canada. We did a big tailgate in Cincinnati in the parking lot of a Catholic church when we played Mexico there and beat them 2-0. to zero. Um, Tried to do Columbus. did, And then we did Orlando when we, basically when we qualified against Panama. And those were both wonderful days, the one in Cincinnati and the one in Panama and the one in Nashville too, even though it was kind of an uninspiring 1-1 draw, if you remember. But Cincinnati, you know, everybody's had some alcohol, having a good time and you come back from the stadium and we just put a hurting on on Mexico. You know, I mean, we we beat them two to zero. We controlled the game, you know, outside of a couple of chances early for Mexico. And so, man, it felt good. You know, it felt like the sort of the, consummation of the of all the promise that the program has had for the last few years to to just hand it to mexico in a world cup qualifier in front of like a an electric crowd in cincinnati and um 
you know, we we all came back there. We sang Oh John Luca all together. There were probably like twenty of us, and it's totally it's totally dorky, but it was it was like so felt so good to be all together. So that those in person events have been great. the The thing is, they're not great for making a podcast. You know, if I go and spend all day, you know, it takes it takes a little bit of work to get that all set up and like coordinate everything kind of make sure it's it's sailing off into the sunset before you know a couple hours before the game so I can have a few beers and you know enjoy myself by the time that all by the time all of that is over it's like you're really tired and you can't, you're not I'm not going to do a podcast that night so you got to do the podcast the next day oftentimes I'm driving to that place with my all the gear for the tailgate got to drive back so I've done both of the those big game recaps from the road the Cincinnati one and the um, and the Orlando one against Panama, I did them from the car in a parking lot somewhere, which is fine. It turns out okay, but you know my voice is all hoarse, so I don't. I'm not gonna figure out how to handle like the do the in person event, but also like be able to podcast well the next day. But yeah, I think I think those have really strengthened the community. You know, people having being able to see each other, and now they know that this person in person, and now they know this person in real life that they're talking to on the internet. It's a uh, it is, it's definitely like a gluey kind of thing. Like you said, it brings everybody together and it strengthens. Now there's sort of like another core group where it's like, these are all the people who met in person. And so like, if all these people are going to have each other's backs, if, you know, the newcomers that come in that join the, you know, that become patrons tomorrow, that join the discord, you know, tomorrow, there's a group of people who have been there, done that and, and sort of, know how things are done and people can kind of fall in on that group. It seems like. That's exactly how it works out. Yeah. That's the, the core of the discord is the people. I mean, there are other people who weren't there in person who are, who are really, uh, you know, prominent in the discord, but I'd say at least in my mind, the core is the people who have been at the tailgates and are also active in the discord. And they have like, there's a bond there, I think for sure that, that allows other people to sort of build around it. I'm curious, like just from a content creation perspective, it seems like you're kind of getting to that point where, and I know you've done a couple like like live things too, which I know that like spaces is kind of weird and there's, you know, I know there's a lot of, all that area is kind of very fuzzy, but it seems like you've kind of got a really good mix of on-demand, you know, content where you have consistent, you have, you're super consistent, you have super high quality. Like you said, you edit which like for an amateur podcast in the early days to what it is now, like consistency, repeatability, format, structure, these are like all the things that we at Caspian like preach to people is like you need to, you make a promise to the listener and you need to deliver that promise every single episode. I think you all do a fantastic job of that. And like I said, you're diversifying your content portfolio now with kind of the show within a show. You have a, a stream that has kind of multiple different shows within that. Like, how do, you, how do you think about like evolving it? Why did you decide to sort of go back and do these old recaps and stuff? Like, and, and how are you serving sort of the patrons with new stuff? Yeah, I think repeatability, the word you said, repeat, repeatability is so crucial because you can, you can have a good idea and maybe even execute it once well. But if you can't, if it's not something you can just go back to and be able to do over and over again, it's not, um, 
it's not something you can offer as a promise to the to the listener. Or in, in our case, anything new is going to be, I mean, any big new moves we make are going to be just for patrons, you know, like, so it's going to be a benefit that we're offering to people in exchange for money, fundamentally. So I'm always on the lookout for stuff that I'm like, I know we can do this. I know it's not going to take like three weeks to edit. And um, I think we can pull this off. Let's do it, you know? And that's that's what that's what the historic recaps are. We have, you know, we have a lot of muscle memory doing a recap of a game. We have a lot, we have some muscle memory from the Monday review on just kind of like riffing on stuff. And I think the historic recaps are kind of a mix of those two things with, um, you know, all four of us involved. So that, that just seems, it doesn't, you know, part of me is like, well, we should do, uh, you know, like a, like a six part journalistic, like narrative series on xyz and then then like you know time thursday rolls around i'm like there's no way we're going to be able to pull that off you know it's there's just impossible so that just like hitting hitting that venn diagram of like achievable for us but also useful to the listener and like something that they would enjoy that's uh that's that's the what's always in my mind basically I love that. And I love that you have Monday review every Monday we're coming at you if you're a patron. You have the you have the the game recaps, then you have sort of like a, you know, a kind of a state of the unions almost where you and Greg sort of come on and and just talk about, you know, where things are at. I would posit the thing that I think would be really interesting and take it take it or leave it is like the deep dive on individual player where they at where they're at right now with their skill set, how they've evolved and where do they need to go? Sort of like taking the FIFA card rating and kind of almost like diving into that and be like, where does Polisic need to get better to become, you know, X? Or where does, you know, Gio Reyna, where is he really at right now? Where is Sergio like really at right now? Because we say that, oh, you need to get better. You need to be more clinical or you need to be a better finisher, but that's not really like that actionable. It's like, oh, you know, whatever Anthony needs to work on his right foot or, you know, whatever. Yeah. I like that idea. I'm, I'm writing it down. I'm writing it down. And, and, you know, it, it makes me think about, and I just love stuff like this because I love here and now keeping up with the Joneses, you know, snapshot in time, you're giving people, you know, where, where things are at right now. And then the historical recaps, bringing history back into, into it. And it's so cool. Like listening to like Vince, for example, who's not, uh, soccer fan back then go back and watch this stuff with these fresh eyes like that stuff is just so cool to me and it it deepens the understanding of of the game and the culture and like why Gio Reyna's son or Gio, Claudio Reyna's son being on the team and when you did the whole thing of like he makes all the same moves that Claudio made like does, that stuff yeah. is just like you feel as a listener you're like holy shit this is so rich like this is like 30 years of history that i'm listening to yeah that's cool that you say that yeah i was just thinking about those today I was earlier while i was mowing the lawn i was like well, we gotta find a way to make a more to make that connection between the past and the present more often on those pods that's my that's my goal for the next one is uh, you know re- really exploit those opportunities to connect it to the present yeah yeah i love that and connecting to like you know, okay, this person is kind of like this person's skill set, but the, you know, whatever. Do you have like advice for people trying to start their own community? Like if you could do it all over again, what would you have done, keep, keep doing versus what would you have been like, eh, I probably wouldn't have focused on that. Hmm. You know, one thing we haven't really talked about yet, which I think is 
has helped us over the years is that we're not we're not very calculated as when it comes to like building a community or even we haven't been super calculated about like maximizing you know maximizing our reach or you know we're just kind of doing our thing and i think people were attracted to that initially you know so it wasn't like you would were on youtube and like just like smashing the smashing the view records and stuff we're just like some guys making a podcast because they love soccer and they love the national team and i don't know i think that chill the chillness of it was appealing to people initially and probably still is to to some people so i don't have a ton of good advice on how to build a community because it's because it just sort it sort of did just kind of happen i mean we we i hustle I work hard at the podcast. I try to make the podcast as good as I can. And I work, I, you know, increasingly work hard on harder. I'm trying to work harder on Twitter and, you know, more effectively to actually make good tweets that get retweeted. And it sounds really s- simple, but um, for a while I was kind of ignoring it. I was just like doing the bare minimum on Twitter. So yeah, once the community sort of coalesced in Discord, I think we were all kind of like, wow, this is cool. But nobody, I don't think anybody would say, well, you, we did this, so that's how, that's why it happened, you know? I was like, I don't know. I think that, you know, if I were to go back in time, I'm really curious if you could have built an email newsletter that was, I'm biased to this because this is how I think most email newsletters should be, super short of just like check-ins where we at on stuff of like, you know, once a week, like, I wonder if you had just done like a once a week, not a deep dive, but just like a short sort of like, you know, thing each week and just build up that newsletter subscriber list. I wonder if launching the Patreon would have probably got you more of an initial push, but the the opportunity cost on that is really tough because at the end of the day, your audio content is so stellar that it's like, you kind of have to it's tough to do both if you don't have more resources. No, I think the newsletter is one example, but there there are probably lots of ways we could, you know, expand our reach. That's that's the thing. You know, we're we're getting pretty good at when when we have a listener, making them so loyal. You know, we tend to like inspire some loyalty in the listener that they are willing to pay us money every month. So we're, I think we're our percentage of like listener to patron is is really good from what I can tell from Googling about that. But, um, <laughs> but you know, we're still a pretty small podcast. You know, we're, we don't have, we don't have, we don't have 50,000 listeners, not even close. So that's why it's such an interesting case study for me to look at this stuff because the winning formula for you isn't a hundred thousand listeners an episode. Cause like ad supported, if you had a hundred thousand listeners an episode, you could make a shitload of money ad supported, but it's like, when you're building a core niche audience, it's like you need to deliver on the promise consistently and build depth rather than like build horizontally. And I think that like that's what you all did so well is like having different voices and varied content and different layers to the community that can like I hop on Discord and I'm just like, dude, this is like 5,000 messages. I'm like, I just need to like tap in, you know, whatever. But it's like, but in the moment for all the people that are in like in their commenting in the leads game, like I'm like, yeah, I'm watching on tape, tape delay an hour later. So like, I'll just get caught up on that, you know, later on. But 
again, that's how those people want to want to do certain things. So I love that. The other thing about user-generated content that you mentioned is super fascinating. And I just want to touch on that real quick. So you were basically making all these videos at initial early days. That gets, you know, some eyeballs. People are saying, oh, these are cool. You know, you get in touch with Daryl, which is great. Then you get to this point where now more people are making those type of videos. People, patrons are now actually making content. Like, how do you think about user-generated content? Is this something that, like, can, you know, be an asset, can grow the show? It's, it's taken its life of its own. Like, people making comps, people making even, like, derivative, like, you know, podcasts or, or like, spaces content, you know, stuff like that where people are talking about you all in their, you know, whether they're doing a Twitter space or whether they're doing something else or, like, referencing you on other on other shows and stuff like that, like, you're now creating stuff that people, other people are picking up and people are creating it like for you in a way. Mm, yeah. Well, I think on the comp front, on the comps front, it's like, you know, the, the guy who, the guy who's been making a lot of comp, comps lately, who's in the, who's very active in the discord. He, you know, he's, those are his, he's, he's building his audience on Twitter. I think it's, it's sort of like, he's not really, I mean, I know he's, he's sort of creating it in, some sort of relationship with scuffed, but he's, it's, it's, it's his creation. And it's his, you know, if I, if I want to use one of his videos, I just retweet him, you know, if I want if I want to put it out on my Twitter timeline. So I treat it, I just try to treat that with respect instead of like, you know, downloading the video and then like pretending it's mine. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but on the, but you're right. There is a lot of sort of like generated stuff like memes and like photos and, you know, people edit, Photoshop photos and stuff. And there's, I don't, we haven't mentioned this, but there's like a whole, we have like a whole fleet of um, custom emojis in the discord that some of them are really funny. So there's a ton of that being created, that sort of stuff being created. And I, yeah, it's great. It's awesome. I, I haven't quite figured out what was the question exactly? How do I think about that stuff? Yeah. Just like, yeah. Like, like, do you, when you, as you think about that stuff and you just see all this stuff being created, like, is there a way to like use this to grow, either grow the audience or grow your patrons, or maybe just add deeper engagement within the community? Like, how do you think about user generated content? I guess. I mean, I like having it to, so I, I posted a screenshot of a, a little bit of a discussion with the names, you know, blocked out from discord onto Twitter. I loved that earlier today. And because it was just a perfect little encapsulation of the, of the issue that I was sort of, I felt was coming from this other Twitter user. I think of it as useful, but, um, and then, you know, some people have made like one of our discord users made a video where he, where he put podcast audio. So audio of, you mentioned it, the parabola, Vince talking about Vince and walkie talking about the parabola theory about Josh Sargent and this user on discord, Nate made a, a, just put it over or put it under a video of Josh Sargent scoring a brace last March or May, last, last January. So we, this had the, the podcast clip came from December. The game happened in January. So it was sort of, he was like prophetic that this was going to be, the, well, obviously it didn't turn out to be a parabola situation back then, but, but you know, that's fun to have somebody. Maybe he was coming down. At that he point. was still, yeah. Yeah, that's right. He was on the left side of the parabola. Mm -hmm. um, 
But Nate made a great video that I, I put out on Twitter that week, but I credited him. I credited him, but I put it out because it was like a great advertisement for the podcast, for the Monday Review, to have Vince and Walkie saying this smart and funny stuff about Sargent under the video of him scoring the goals. And I actually stole that idea from Nate. I mean, I use, I do that pretty much every Monday now. I use a little, like a little, like 20, 30 second clip from the Monday review with some game footage or, you know, maybe Jesse Marsh shaking Tuchel's hand footage or not shaking it so much. And those are great promos for the Monday review. Actually, they seem to work pretty well. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, the derivative content stuff is like, it's literally endless because you're like, I could make 50 of these and, you know, and to promote the show. And you're like, how much, how much bandwidth do I have? Okay. Final question, I think, unless there's anything that we missed that you wanted to, to say. How do you deal with talent? Like you bring on Vince, bring on Waki. Obviously, Greg is, is, is the star, but as you're the person who's, who's running the ship here, like, how do you think about supporting talent? Because at the end of the day, like there's one part where you want to control the energy and the other part where you want to let them do all the things that they want to do. Yeah. I mostly just let them do all the things that they want to do when, I mean, I do, I am kind of like, I don't know if I, you call me the showrunner or whatever, but I'm like the guy kind of in charge of where the show's going, but you know, it's a, it's always, it always happens in consultation on the air. And then I just cut that out, you know, it's like, should we have talked about, should I have said that, you know, that stuff happens or do, do, or do we really want to keep talking about this? We, we usually quickly agree on what, how we're going to proceed. But I, you know, I, I think the main job for me is to make sure Waki and Greg and Vince are happy and want to keep doing what we're doing. Cause it, cause I think it's working pretty well. So I think they are happy right now. So that's good. Awesome. Any anything else? Anything that we uh, that we missed or uh, any other stuff? I feel like we got to cover a lot of ground. No, I mean, I you know the one thing my dad was in development um, or is in development. He's like a fun. He's in the fundraising world, raises money for nonprofits. He's done that his whole career, and I find you know I, I so I have some like window into how that world works, and I feel like the the Patreon subscriber membership sort of thing is a lot like that. You know, there's a lot of similarities between like the hustle that he has to do to like, you know, make sure he's, make sure he's getting in touch with people and letting them know that, uh, you know, they're on his mind or whatever, not, not on his mind so much as just like, just like keeping in touch and making sure people aren't like drifting away is, uh, I'm not saying I've mastered that part of Patreon at all. But I do think it's, that's a part of it, you know, staying in touch, communicating, making sure people know there's like an open door to, to ask you questions or bring, bring you concerns. Cause I don't, you know, when I lose like a $10 subscriber, $10 a month subscriber, that's a big deal to me. You know, that's 120 bucks a year. And, um, so I've been, so sometimes I email people after they leave and I say, Hey, did we do anything wrong? And you know, that like little, that's sort of like boring little, those boring little jobs of like checking in with people and stuff like that. That's a, that's a part of it that I didn't think I would be doing for a soccer podcast. Um, but it's not so bad and it's, and it really matters a lot, you know, or, or even like the direct appeal. 
I, I can tell you this, the, we had, I can't remember the exact numbers, but a significant number of $2 subscribers that upgraded to $5 a month just because I asked them to. I just said, hey, if you can't do five bucks a month, obviously we love that you're a, a patron at all and no, no problem at all. That's great. Thank you. But if you're able, we would love for you to be a $5 subscriber. And, um, like, you know, like more than a hundred people upgraded off of that message, basically, which is like, that's nobody, I wouldn't have thought that that was part of the, the gig, you know? I think that's what's so interesting about the the kind of comparison that you made there is for me as a patron for you and, and, and another show, like I literally just feel good supporting you. Like even, I mean, I think, I think your, your podcast is literally one of the best ones out there. And I think it's the best soccer podcast, but I think like just supporting you makes me feel good because I know that it allows you all to create stuff, which is super different from like a YouTube creator, which still is beholden to their audience, but they have to have them consume. Whereas like, if I don't listen to like the game recaps, you don't lose any money. I'm still just as happy. You're just as happy. Our relationship is, is unchanged. Whereas like if you were creating YouTube videos, if I'm busy, you know, I have a 15 month old, if I'm busy, you know, I'm moving right now and I'm not watching all your videos, you're literally not making as much money off of me. And so I think that there's something interesting there. And perhaps there's like a hybrid model that you could even look at down the road or something where you, you know, are posting certain types of content to YouTube or whatever for that to have that sort of like, you know, thing. But like you said, it's like, why do that when, you know, whatever. The other side of that is a YouTube creator, when they want more money, they literally just post another video, right? So it's like, you don't have the pressure to do that, but you also can't just make more money by making more content. That's not really how it works. So it's just an interesting sort of, you really, like you said, you're so tied in, you're responding to everyone. And then you have Jordan moderating the Discord too, which is which is like, you know, the customer experience is every single day with that, right? It's not just, hey, when you subscribe or when you when you leave, it's like every single day, there's still someone who's like, moderating what's going on in the discord if that's how you do things and from a consistency and a repeatability standpoint you're delivering every week with monday reviews yeah yeah i think discord architecture is another sort of uh interesting area of all this like how do you structure how do you structure a discord server to make it the best we haven't quite we don't, we've had some discussion about that on the discord how we're gonna how we're gonna make it a little bit cleaner before the world cup, but, um, everybody has a different opinion and I don't know what the, I don't know if you've, if you've read any classic texts on the matter, I'd, I'd be interested. Dude, I, so I'm, I'm new to discord. I, you know, because I think I'm older. So all my stuff is on like Slack channels, like private Slack channels and discord's a little bit unruly at times. It's pretty similar to Slack though, right? Like, it's, Yeah, it's basically the same exact thing. So our question is always, like when we talk with, with people about this stuff, the older, more business-inclined folks are already on Slack anyways for work. So adding another Slack channel is a lot easier. Whereas like 
going to Discord is basically it's more way more young people are on Discord and it's like an app on your phone. I mean, Slack is an app on your phone too, but um, uh, but I, I don't I I have no idea how many like people on Discord are using the the desktop version. Um, so yeah, I don't think there's I think generally generationally I think there's probably a little bit of friction there from the from those two. Um, but yeah, no, it gets super unruly. I mean, how many channels do you all have? I mean, there must be Ugh. 20 at least. Okay, I've lost track. There's so many. Yeah. But at least, then you started doing 20, the threads yeah. though. Yeah. Which is game really threads are the game the game threads are slick. Yeah, those are those are a great way to experience a soccer game on TV to to so it's a game thread that's just it comes off a channel. It's dedicated purely to this one game. So and um it's a nice way to it's a nice way to discord. It's probably my favorite thing about the, like, as it, like in terms of the nuts and bolts of the user experience is those game threads. Probably my favorite Add, thing about the discord. Yeah. It's the most utility. And then you can just go check in. The only thing that would be, it jumps you a little bit in the discord sometimes. Like, um, so I think that they need some better functionality there, but, but I think that this speaks to like this on demand, like you can check in with the striker channel and go learn a bunch of stuff about, see what people are talking about strikers or post something and get a response there. You can go in real time into a game thread and get exactly what's going on there. Like that's the stuff that it's like, man, when you have that paired with content, that's like, you know, push content paired with the in-person events. Like you just have a very, 360 degree relationship with the community. And I think that that's what, I think that that's the magic that you all have at this moment in time is like, it's very comprehensive and you can dig in super far or you can just kind of stay at arm's length. And I think that that's like the beauty of it. I'd never quite thought about it that way, but I think that's right. It is, it definitely can go deep, but it's true. You can also kind of enjoy being just at the sort of surface level of it. I think it's a, it's okay. It's a nice, it can be a nice experience too. And it's better than Twitter. That's the other thing. Cause you can like follow the discourse on Twitter, but it's so toxic at times that it's like, you get a lot of negativity. You know, if you go follow, you know, hashtag Christian Pulisic on, on, on Twitter, like see what's it, you're going to get a million accounts talking about a million things. Whereas like, if that happens on, on, you know, whatever, on one of the, one of the, uh, uh, one of the discord channels yeah. or something like that yeah or a discord channel it's like you're gonna have a much more nuanced approach to it of people who are like a little bit more like-minded perhaps echo chamber but you know that's all right could be argued yeah but but at least people are coming at it from the same point of view or at least the same angle like they want Pulisic to succeed they're trying to be um you know realistic about it and they're not like, it's not like you, when you search Twitter, you could see a bunch of Chelsea fans who hate Pulisic's guts, you know? Yep. So you're not going to get that on the Scuff Discord. No, you sure, sure aren't. You ain't. Our, uh, our golden boy. Adam, dude, this has been so awesome. Uh, a million, million notes and takeaways from this stuff. Uh, yeah. Any final thoughts? No, I just, it's helpful for me to think it through. So I, so I, and talk it through. So I appreciate the opportunity to, to do that. Well, that's it for today. I hope you got some good ideas for your B2B content. Thank you for listening to Remarkable. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. Remarkable is created by the team at Caspian Studios, B2B podcast as a service. 
Caspian also creates fiction series for B2B companies. So if you want a business thriller, you can learn more at caspianstudios.com. Hollywood style storytelling for B2B. And in today's episode, you heard from myself, Ian Faison. Remarkable was produced this week by Meredith O'Neill, mixed by Scott Goodrich, and our theme song is Solomon by Falak. Be remarkable and rise above the noise. <laughs>